Hey everybody, it's Stephanie from The Learning Project. Welcome to another great segment of Leadership and Professionalism. We are going to be interviewing Doug McCoy today. You guys, this is going to be a great podcast and you do not want to miss this. Hey everybody, it's Stephanie from The Learning Project. I want to say hello and welcome to another great podcast, you guys. I am so excited. I have Doug McCoy with me. He's an educator. He is a... Um, he does everything you guys okay like if you want to have a great conversation if you want to open thinking conversation if you want to know about automotics if you want to do you want to learn about history this is the guy to go to right so um doug and i know each other um i i definitely wanted him to be a part of our leadership and professionalism professionalism series so welcome you guys we're so excited to just talk about you know what brings the best and the worst out of people and so um doug welcome 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 thank you so, um, Doug, we start off a question. We start off with one question every single time. So, tell us, what is your passion? My passion is being able to work with people and, and connecting with them, whether they be like you know uh, high school students, which is where I taught eleventh and twelfth graders, mm-hmm. or t- other teachers or adults in general. I love working with people mm-hmm. and feeling like I'm a part of something bigger and outside of myself and knowing that I'm making an impact in a positive way that's going to change their life. Whatever medium and platform that looks like, as long as that's being accomplished, that's what, that's what makes me tick. I love it. You know, that is the one thing that unites everybody is making sure, or not even making sure, but really connecting with people and making sure that we help people live their best life. You know, when you think about your experience as an educator, what do you feel, what did you feel brought the best and the worst out of people? So what brought the best out of me, honestly, was the students. I mean, I think every teacher, or at least I would hope that every teacher can vow that or vouch that we feed off the energy of our students. I know that for a lot of times, even if so, I never hated going to work because I always loved going to my students, Mm -hmm. right? Even though there's all that other, you know, stuff behind the scenes that teachers deal with, um, the teaching part of it, I loved. And even if I was having a bad day or there was something that was bothering me from a previous staff meeting or whatever the case may be, it didn't matter because as soon as I got into the class, well, as soon as my students got into the classroom and we began things like, I don't know, it just, it creates that energy and it creates yeah. that, 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 that free flowing vibe. And, and for me, I had, I was blessed enough to be able to work with my students for two and a half hours a day, wow. Monday through Friday. Right. Yeah. And so with that time, you can really develop strong relationships with them. And that's what my focus was. Cause I dealt with, so I taught in an inner city school. Mm-hmm. Um, pr- predominantly Hispanic. It was 35% Hispanic and then like 20% white and like 17% black and then like everything else kind of fell in there after mm-hmm. that. Islanders, um, so on and so forth. And you know, well, I mean, Latin people are my people in many ways, more than one, but um, so, but to feed off of their energy, right? Mm-hmm. And to watch them go from something that they were unconfident to do, give them the the tools that they needed through instruction and my display of confidence in them and allowing them to fail, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think that's something that we as teachers miss, right? Because we're always, mm-hmm. we're always, we always have to have that student pass, yeah. right? And, and in today's generation, students have always been taught that you have to pass. Yeah. You have yeah. to be successful. Yeah. And I think more success is learned from failure than always constantly being successful. Ooh, I need you to stop right there, Doug. You guys, <laughs> I don't know if you, you heard that, that gym that just was dropped on you, okay? Um, this is a conversation that is going to transform the way we are thinking about failure and where we're thinking about mistakes. I am so glad that you brought this up, Doug. You guys, I want you to real quick, if you know someone that is definitely been talking about this, they need to hear this. I want you to share this podcast right now because it is, it's going to be good. So Doug, talk to me about that. Talk to me about the benefits of failure. All right. So, well, yeah, I mean, like, so within 
So the first day of, of school, when it would start, so I taught automotive technology. So I taught 11th and 12th graders mm -hmm. in a, in a trade, basically a trade high school, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, the, I, the, from the first day, first of all, I'd always share a bit of my story because from age zero to 12, I was very mentally and physically abused and abused in a lot of different ways, right? And I'm dealing with inner city kids. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make a connection with them right away, yeah. right? Yeah. And I had the advantage to be able to say this in English and muddle through Spanish, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so I made, I try to make connection right away because for me, it's about that connection. Yeah. And then, but the, within the first day, I, the, I would hit them right between the eyes and go, I am going to teach you how to fail and what to do with that failure. Mm. And of course, they've probably never heard that before. Yeah. Right? yeah. You, you've got to pass the HISPY. You got to pass the math class. You got to pass this. You got to pass yeah. that, or you're not going to go on to the next grade. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and how I did that was I used the medium of, of so cars was the medium to, of, of why they were there. Mm -hmm. But I use it as the source of teaching them how to be successful for life. It's wow. basically, I, I probably taught more life coaching lessons than I did actual like car stuff. <laughs> but, and so what it would look like is, you know, I would go through a set of instructions, right? Because there was always a theory piece and then the practical piece, right? Yeah. So about 20% theory, about 80% in, inside the shop working on, on vehicles. Yeah. And of course, these kids, most of them, right, grew up inner city, lived in apartments, don't have a garage. Yeah. Don't have a father or a mother or mm -hmm. either, you know. Mm -hmm. So they have no skills, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I had the one of the... I, I'll try not to get off track too much. No, you're good. Uh, one, one of the most impactful stories was my very first year and like first or second day of teaching. So first year teacher, first or second day of being a teacher, I had this kid from Nepal. And his, his story is tragic, but wonderful. He walks up to me and he goes, Mr. McCoy. And in, 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 the, most, in, the, in the best English he could use, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm from Nepal and I've never seen a car because he grew up for 18 years in a concentration camp. Wow. He finally came to America. Wow. And now he's in my program. Wow. I mean, what a standard to set. I've got to teach this kid, right? That barely can speak English. Yeah. Has never seen a vehicle that wants to do this for a living. Wow. Now, now he's gone on and he actually has his own shop in somewhere in the Midwest and, and he's great. Right. Yeah. But, um, and so that set the standard of, well, how do I do this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I figured, well, basically every year you learn what not to do, right? Every year you teach, you learn what not to do. That is the truth. So I would tell them the theory piece or show, you know, via videos and, you know, lesson plans and da, 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 da. And then we get out in the shop mm -hmm. and I would just, I would give them a set of guidelines, right? I say, okay, I would demonstrate it, right? Mm -hmm. And then I would expect the same from them on whatever it was. And they would invariably always not, I mean, not every student has a different learning level, right? Right. We always, and here's how I, I sort of, I, I got them started on engines. So their first assignment was to tear apart this engine, completely torn apart. Like I told them at the end of the day or not at the end of the day, but at the end of this lesson, I want to be able to put my hand completely through the engine before you put it back together again. Of course, you know, there's criterion to follow and guidelines and all that stuff, right? So, and I never assigned like, okay, you're in group A and you're in group B. I would let them free for all, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. was sort of like this pecking order. But what it did for me is the high achievers would always congregate together. The medium achievers would congregate together and the low achievers. I don't mean low as in like, you know, they're poor right. students, just low. They right. don't know much. Right. They would congregate together. And so they would form their own groups. And so I knew who to focus my attention on. Yeah. Right. Leave, check in on the high achievers. Yep. Touch base with the mediums. Focus on the lows. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And of course, they're, you know, messing stuff up right and left. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I would come in and be like, hey, let me let me help you out here. And so whatever they were struggling with and they hated this, but <laughs> I loved it. They hated it, but I loved it. I would help them like I would put it back together or get that little bracket on or whatever. Yeah. Right. And they'd be like, oh, okay, thank you. 
And the problem is a lot of times youth are used to having things done for them mm-hmm. instead of being, letting them, you know, it's like how many times do you pick the kid up when he falls? Yeah. Don't, you know, just tell him, hey, man, you're all right. Get back up. Yeah. Yeah. Because right? they just need to know that someone believed in them. You know, I literally just heard something that says when you don't have the confidence Find the person that has the most confidence in you and rent that confidence until you can buy it yourself. And it's it's sometimes you just need people in your corner that literally believe in what who you are and what you're doing. And even when you're talking about the different levels of understanding of automotives and, you know, those students that really don't have very much understanding of how they work how to put it together i definitely would have been in that group because i don't know anything about automotives except put the gas in the car and make sure there's oil in there so you know but it's you talk about how these types of programs really build more than just skill they're learning life skills and they're learning life um, life skills that are going to take them to the next level and really making that connection and giving that time to the students i mean two hours with a student i mean that is unheard of especially in high school and i don't know why it is that we have so much thought that you know if you have a high schooler that you're working with they need less time from you they need they don't need um as much uh, communication or connection and that's when you need it the most we have so many high schoolers that have low self-esteem and then they become those 20 year olds that have low self-esteem and they don't want to try anything or they're scared of doing things or they're stuck in certain positions because no one has ever taught them or guided them through that process. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't mean to say Yeah, that. no, it's all good. It's all good. So what I would do is once I would help them, I would completely undo what I just did. Mm. And then of course they'd be like, "Oh man, you couldn't just." And I, I mean, I would mess with them. I would joke around with them. Yeah. Like, oh, did you want me to leave that there? So I mean, I was always, I constantly messed with my kids, <laughs> in 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 a in a I guess. You can say a loving way or I can't really, you know, whatever kind of, I I was constantly messing with my students, Mm -hmm. like constantly, right? And that's just how I built, that's just the rapport and relationship we built. Yeah. But by me taking it apart, right, and not leaving it already completed for them, they had to go through the process again, Mm -hmm. right? This time they were demonstrated it. And I just sit there and say, I know you you got it, man. It just... It's like, I'm not, he's, I'm, I, I don't, I would just sit there and tell him, I don't care if you get it done today yeah, or that if you get it done four days from now, yeah. as long as you get it done and it meets the standard that I have, then I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and for some students, they needed all that time. Yeah. You know, they, they needed to be able to not be under the pressure to get it right the first time because next week they're doing some other class, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Or whatever the case may be. So I mean, that's that's basically how I do them. I just I would just let them fail on the cars and then show them the tools to get it right until they and then and if they didn't, then they would just you know the second time it was a little bit better and the third time it was better than that and eventually yeah. they get it, you know. And yeah, it, it just it builds up their self confidence. I love it. You know? I love it. It lets them say, okay, if I was able to do this, what if I try? that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. could i maybe be successful at that whether you know oh if i was able to do this great job yeah well, hey maybe i can apply for this job or mm-hmm. go talk to that girl if you're you know mm-hmm. a teenage boy or whatever the case may be or you know try a different sport or whatever it was you yeah know? yeah i love it you know there's so many times that we don't want people to fail because we're scared that they're not going to be able to bounce back. They're not going to be able to, um, you know, they're going to look at themselves in a negative way. But when you support a person as they're going through difficult times and allowing them to understand that mistakes are good because it allows you to go back to that drawing board and see what you did wrong and how can you go back and fix that or change that until you get to your end goal. You know, there's so many things that we can do to help better ourselves and really create um, a great environment environment for our students to work and also learn. So tell me, what do you do on a daily basis or yearly basis or quarterly basis that allows you to sharpen your skills and really build yourself up? So I'll answer that question, but I wanted to bounce onto something you said. So I think yeah. one of the greatest disservices that we do to students these days um well 
post post secondary, right? So call we're talking kids that are going to college. Yeah. We are more than happy to give them a hundred thousand student loan, you know, and put them mm -hmm. in a hundred thousand dollar loan debt, then give them a twenty thousand dollar business loan and mm -hmm. let them fail at it and learn from that and maybe be successful the next time. I think Whoa. that's a huge disservice. Wow. That yeah, we're gonna have to skip the question that I just asked because now we have to go into this. So and if we had this kind of perfect world, what would this look like to you? Because when we're talking about teaching students skills, what does this look like if there were some type of school or something that would allow students after high school to get a business loan? Because that is the truth, what you just said. Absolutely the truth. Well, I mean, Put you on the I, spot think, here, I think if you had young entrepreneurial minds that were wanting to go down that route, um, you know, for, I mean, it's, of course the, the, the generic answer is, oh, well, you've got to go get your MBA or whatever it is. Well, mm -hmm. I've talked to several people who have started their business and I'm friends with several business. I've, I'm friend with this one guy who has a multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. Um, and he got it started by, he was like close to finishing his MBA and he was sitting there in this classroom learning about the statistics of, what did Richard say? He said something, what was he learning? He was learning statistics of like how to figure out which demographic groups are gonna purchase what certain product based on population and, yeah. and migrating through a store. Yeah. And he was like, this is teaching me nothing. I'm not, this has nothing to do with me running a business. The product that I produce has to do with the success of my business, mm -hmm. right? You yeah. know, success is always a chance versus greatness is something that you can always accomplish. You can always do the best and greatest thing you're at. The successful rate, the success rate of that is, is dependent upon the consumer. Hmm. You know, you can develop a great product, but if the consumers don't think it, right? Yep. It's not going to work. So he, he just, he hung it up and started his own. He's like, this is stupid. And he went out and started, he, I think he started like two or three businesses failed. And he, he says, I failed the first business, learned from that, started the second business, failed yeah. that one, started the third, yeah. that one got a little bit better, then started a fourth and then so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I think if we would have young kids that were, you know, graduating high school and go, I want to start a business. And you know, with today's modern technology, um that is more of an opportunity right i mean they yeah. can start i mean i know there's all this political bs with youtube but they can start a youtube channel or a how-to channel they yeah. can they've got tinder they've got pinterest they've got etsy or not what yeah. did i just say tinder you what? did say tinder we won't judge you doug because you know everybody knows that tinder it's like online it's stuff it's there, I'm so disconnected with all that <laughs> Wow, that'd be the wrong business to start as an 18 year old person out of high school. Unless you create an app like Tinder. There we go. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I got you, Doug. I got um, you. But yeah, like, you know, you have is so if you've got it, like if you're an artist or a sculptor or like, well, for instance, one of the guys that I follow on on YouTube, his name is Alex Steele. He's He's moved to America, but he started, he's English. He was in, you know, England somewhere. Mm -hmm. He started blacksmithing when he was 12 years old. Mm. And he never went to formal college. Like he's a self-learned, self-taught. Of course, then he sought out people that were blacksmithers as well. And yeah. he self-taught himself. And then he started making videos, like terrible ones, because that's how we all start, right? For real. When he was like 16. Hmm. And now he's got this huge, not just successful blacksmithing business, but he also has the YouTube business, right? The YouTube channel is what created his blacksmith channel. Love it. And and it's all self-learned, right? Mm -hmm. And now with all these different platforms and mediums, I, I think it's possible. The, 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 the problem is the difference between like zero... And one is point zero 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 one, correct? Yeah. And we're always afraid to take that point zero zero one step. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I don't know if it's because we're more fearful of the success of it. Like, what if it would happen? 
or if it's just we listen to everybody around us going, oh, no, you got to do this. This is what you need to be. This is what you have to do in order to fit into society. You need to, you know, have the White House and the picket fence and the two and a half kids and the dog, right? Huh? All that. But if that doesn't fit who you are or if that's never felt right to you, then why are you listening to it? Hmm. You know, um, one of my favorite philosophers, I used to play the, his videos quite a bit to my students, is um, Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. And there's this been this video that's been going around for years now, and it's been remade a thousand times. It's called "What If Money Was No Option." Hmm. You know, and he talks about if money was no option, what would you do? Wow. You know, he's like, pick your passion and go do that. Hmm. And the more you do it, the more you'll find people that are doing the same thing, and eventually yeah. you'll get connected to where you're successful. Is Absolutely. it? You know, you got to put in the work, though, right? Yeah. You're you're yeah. only you only have your at the end of the day you only have yourself to blame for the choices of the results that didn't happen. Mm. Can you, you know? say that again, Doug? Say that last part <laughs> one more time. Right. So good, you guys. All right. So at the end of the day, you only have yourself to blame for the choices you made on the results that didn't happen. Wow. That's heavy. That's heavy because I mean, so many people that listen to this podcast, you know, they're in education, they're, you know, maybe thinking about opening their own business or creating something on the side. And there's so much hesitation with so many people that I talk to because they're like, what if I fail? What if I don't do good at this? What if I get so much criticism from this? Like, I can't handle it, you know? And you gotta take that step. Each time that you do something new and each time, like, you know, even I was telling somebody each time that I've done a podcast, I'm learning something each time and it makes you more confident. It makes you stronger. It makes you think about the world differently and it makes you think about your passion differently. And I think a lot of people feel like they have to fit in a box when it comes to their passion. You know, they feel like, oh, well, if you're passionate about education, you have to stay in education. That's all you can do. No, you could take those passions and that love and morph it into something else that you would, or other things that may not even have anything to do with education, but it's our right to do that. There's so many people that are creative and they'll hold themselves back or they will hinder themselves from moving forward because they're afraid of that failure. They're afraid of that mistake and they're afraid of exactly what you just said. Right. It, you know, it is, it's so important. You know what the problem with most teachers are? Mm-hmm. Well, tell they've never left school <laughs> right oh a through 12 then college then teaching yeah so then their success path that they try to ingrain in all the students is you got to go to college in order to be successful Jeez. or you got to do this right because they've never left school wow they don't necessarily have real world experiences to 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 go off of you know what is so interesting that you say that is like literally another teacher had literally said the same thing to me literally they were like a lot of us like i my number one goal right after right after college was to be a high school teacher i loved high school anybody who knows me i love high school so much i cried like for two hours after graduation because i thought in my head there is no way i can survive out of the educational system and i literally went into college loved college finished college i was like i'm gonna go right back into high school but for some reason you know i decided to try other things and those experiences built a whole different type of teacher that i am you know and i taught in high school uh, for a little bit and um worked with worked primarily with um littler ones in um early childhood education now but those experiences that a teacher needs, an educator needs, I don't care what level of um, teaching you're at, you need those different experiences to help build you up and then help create some new things in your classroom. There's a shirt that we're gonna be releasing, it's called like our potato, uh, our potato gear. And it says, don't be a couch potato, explore the world with your students. And it's really focusing on that getting out there, trying something new, not always being in that conventional four wall kind of box that we get really used to because we're in those public school systems. So, you know, I just wanna remind everybody you know, take that chance, take that risk, 
do what you need to do to get more experience in different areas and trying something new because those experiences do help you be a better educator. Yep. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you, Doug. So when you think about your own journey, when you think about where you're at, what do you do to help develop yourself and really make sure that you're on top of your game as a leader? <laughs> Hang out with really good leaders. Mm, no one has said that. No one has said that. I want to hear more about this. Like, what do you mean by this? Well, so, I mean... It's like the old saying, what is it? If you want to become rich, hang out with rich people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if that works or not. Obviously, I guess I'm hanging <laughs> out the wrong people in that category. But um, you learn, I mean, it's, you can observe or maybe you've experienced within your teaching career or whatever job you're in, right? The good boss or the bad boss, the good administrator, the bad administrator. I mean, we all have them. It's everywhere. It doesn't change, you know, because I've been in education and I've been in the automotive industry, um, which is where I'm at now. But and it, it, the the BS doesn't change, nope. right? There's always the bad employee or the bad boss or whatever, no matter where you're at. Yep. Um, I think it's more frustrating as a teacher when you see the bad teacher and it's like, why can't you fire that person? That's a, probably a different discussion for a different uh, day. Yes, <laughs> yes. We have <laughs> talked about this before on one of my other podcasts. Yes, yes. Um, but... So in your dealings with, let's keep it with education, with leadership, if you want to become a successful leader or a successful teacher or whatever, start seeking those out that you look up towards and that you see those qualities in that you're looking yeah. for, yeah. right? Um, and then start picking their brain, mm -hmm. you know? or go to the seminars or the conventions and like that was like one of the greatest things when you go to this like i used to go to these different seminars and conventions and stuff like that about two or three times a year and i would meet other teachers from other school districts that were doing something different but the same in their classroom right or they just like had a really cool idea or a cool program or they tried something new this year and it was really successful yeah get their contact information mm -hmm. pick their brain about it um you know i think Honestly, well, and then like book books are good if you're a book reader. I tend not to be a book reader; I'm more of an oratory learner. Mm -hmm. But uh, two of the most impactful books that I've read as far as leadership was called one was called Learning from Lincoln. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that, but yeah, wow. it's, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, Learning from Lincoln. It's by Harvey Avey, I do believe. It Amazon it right, Learning from Lincoln. It has a picture. Uh, Abraham Lincoln on the on the on the cover and that book just I don't know it just grabbed me because it talked about his leadership style and how we can learn from it as administrators or teachers when it comes to leadership okay. it was really good really really good uh, another one would be also the servant leader by um, who is it Greenleaf oh my goodness yes I think so right yeah Robert Greenleaf yeah, you're literally the second person that has mentioned this book to me, and I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go grab it. But yeah, like, yeah, the, the, I would say, uh, that's, well, they're both really good. But uh, learning from learning from Lincoln uh, impacted me the most. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's kind of what I've always done. Is like, how do I develop my leadership skills? Is just mm -hmm. I, a I pick good leaders to hang out with, um, and and of course within my network, I I, I pick strong, solid men to hang out with because that's mm -hmm. a very important issue with me, especially men in education. Yeah. Um, and then just don't be afraid to try new things, mm -hmm. right? Um, so what if people get mad at you? You know, unless you're doing something really stupid and the administration finds out about what you're doing because it's totally out of guidelines, right? Yeah. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Who cares what they think? Yeah. Right? 90% yeah. of the people you're going to meet anyway, don't give a rip and could care less. And you should apply that same attitude towards them. Yeah. Right? If you're wanting to try something different or speak your mind or say something that's not necessarily in line with status quo. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. How that's they handle it is their issue. Man, there's a shirt that literally says, be who you are and people will adjust. That's and right. I, 
That's you know, absolutely. Times, you know, when we think about leadership, I'm literally reading a uh, strength of based leadership. Um, in this book because um this is my third time reading through it but you know it talks about creating a diverse group of people around you so that you can be a strong leader you can't have all these people that are just yes men and yes women that are around you that literally do not challenge you and i think there is something to be said when you have that type of leadership around you you really miss an opportunity to grow as a leader you know i'm gonna get super transparent with you guys so don't judge me okay do not judge me i just want to say that one more time you know you shouldn't I, you do <laughs> you know exactly thank you Doug. <laughs> so you know the thing is i when i first started um being a director i remember like my first couple years they were just rough like literally like i did not i'm like rolling the dice because i'm still learning my own leadership style i'm learning you know about other people's leadership style that i'm working with and i had got to a point where i was just leading in a really crappy way like it just wasn't good you know it wasn't good and i had a few of my teachers that i truly truly respected and they always had my back always um come to me and they said we need to talk to you and we're i'm like okay what's going on and they literally laid out to me like hey this is what you're not doing right and this is how everyone's taking it and it's really bringing our whole culture down and you got to change it because you're going to lose really good teachers and when they literally said that to me, first of all, I cried, which I never cry in front of anybody. <laughs> I cried because one, I care about what they say. I care about what they think and how I'm making them feel. But I also knew that there was something that was not right that I was doing as a leader. And I think there's like a difference when you have that mentality of, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going on about my business. But when you have good people, like you said, this leadership circle around you, when those people come around you and they start talking to you about your leadership style and how you have to grow and develop and you've got to change, you've got to take that you got to take that on and you got to have that mentality. And this is something I feel like I've built a really great resilience with is I've built that, um, that wall of, you know what, give me the feedback. I need that feedback. Like if you guys aren't telling me something, I miss, uh, then somebody's not telling, then, then something's wrong. Exactly. Uh, give me that feedback so I can be a stronger leader and I can help you guys lead stronger as well. But you have to be in a place of one vulnerability, but you also have to be in that place of, I don't care what anybody says, you know, bring it on and we're going to make the changes. But if you don't bring, if you don't have that, bring it on, we're going to make the changes mentality. You're going to always take it in a way that's personal. And then you have this almost vindicting kind of behavior. You know, the first thing that comes to mind, Doug, when you're talking about all of this, having a circle of leaders that are around you, how do you um, or what advice do you have for people that really want to have that circle of leaders, but they're also scared of getting that feed, that feedback. And they're also, sometimes you run into the, 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 the wall of jealousy, you know what I mean? Where there's some people that are really good leaders and you're trying to achieve that. So what kind of advice do you have for those that are still like immature in their leadership, but they're still growing because an immature leader does not always mean that you're a bad leader. I want to make that very clear because we right. all somewhere and we all have to grow and develop um but for, if you've been in the game for a while and you you're just doing a bad job then you got to really check yourself too so right so i mean exactly i mean we we lost a thousand we've lost a thousand teachers in a six-year span because of leadership in my school Ooh. district right and wow. changes still weren't made so that tells you what bad leadership looks like yeah um but as far as like so if you're what on your question is first of all as you mentioned you can't you can't take stuff personally right i mean what's one of the one things we're taught when we're going through our ed classes don't take what the students say to you personally mm -hmm. right sometimes they're having bad days or they're just that kind of student yeah be willing but you got to be open to the suggestions right i mean of course you're not going to please everybody Yes. All right. But if you're wanting to make the changes and you have like, hey, this is what do I accomplish, right? Like if I was ever a principal of a school, one of the first things I'd try to do in my first year of teaching, cut homework load by half. My second year, cut homework load altogether. 
Mm. Right. So if I wanted to accomplish that as a principal, which I think would be a great thing to do. Uh, yeah. Um, then I need to a pitch it before my staff, mm-hmm. right? Get a feel for who my my master teachers are, my solid teachers, the ones that the kids I absolutely adhere to versus the ones that they don't want, right? So you 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 pick your core, mm-hmm. right? Of those of those really good solid teachers or those really good other solid principals, and you, maybe you can't accomplish that first year of teach of, of principalship. Maybe you need yeah. to be a principal for a few years within that area to get a to get yourself figured out, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say you come up with an agenda like that, right? Just throw it out there. Hey, this is what I'm thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, you're going to get all kinds of difference of opinions and backlash. You can't let that affect you because if yeah. this is what your what you want to accomplish, provided it's, it's within reality, the supporters are going to come support you. Yeah. Right. And and in your working and your networking, those good principals or administrators or good teachers, right? They're going to help you. They're going to rally behind you and they're going to get behind your cause. Yeah. Right. And, but at the same time, if they're good, strong teachers, administrators, whatever, they're also going to hold you accountable. Mm. Right. And when they hold you accountable, you can't take offense to that because it's not that they're coming down on you. Yeah. Right. They're saying, look, this is where you might be not, you're you're fail, you're not being successful at, or you're going about this the wrong way. Yeah. You know, you're trying to shove this down everybody's throat. Versus, uh, the, one of the best things to do is when you pitch something like this is get the person to think that it's their own idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a courtroom setting, it's often bet when when you're leading in a courtroom ses- setting as a lawyer, let the jury come to their own conclusion. Yeah. To the point that you already want to make in the first place. Yeah. So you ask the leading questions that make the jury prompt and think about it on their own. Yeah. Right. And then therefore they're more likely to get on your side for whatever mm-hmm. your case is. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's no different. So you got to be open to, to criticism, but take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. out of that criticism. Allow your strong people to, hold you accountable yeah, and do what they say, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. you can tell someone that's like, I don't know, wants to lift weights, right? You can tr- tell them how to lift weights and you can do all this stuff. But until that individual gets involved with like a group of weight lifters, yeah. all those weight lifters rally around them and go, Hey man, did you lift weights today? Yeah. Every day. Always. Hey, did you, did you do weights? Did you do weights? Did you do weights? Right. Eventually, either they're going to realize you're all talk and no action and they're going to cut you because that's what strong leadership will do as well. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, man, you said you're going to commit to this. You haven't held up to your end of the bargain. You're out. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was in the military, you're only strong as the weakest soldier. Yes. Right. Yep. So you gotta follow. You gotta follow through with their criticism, their suggestions, their whatever it's going to be. You can't take offense to it. And then it, it, it's an ebb and flow. It's a give and take, right? It, it goes from there, I guess. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I love what you said. You know, I'm listening to all of this, and I want you guys to really try to pick apart a lot of these these pieces that we're talking about because literally. Self-reflection is the only way that you can judge, truly judge your own leadership style. And you have to be able to look at all those pieces and make change. Going back to our first conversation, which was talking about when you make a mistake, those are opportunities. Mistakes aren't bad. You know, um, you know, making a bad decision isn't bad all the time. Sometimes you learn, you learn from those things. You always learn from your mistakes. You always learn from the things that maybe not hit the mark right when you were supposed to hit those you know when i think about making mistakes people following their passion as educators and leaders what do you tell yourself when people feel like others are putting their passion down especially for teachers that have specialty educational um pieces that they teach you know sometimes 
those are not as valued in the educational system in the field. You know, what do you tell someone that's really just feeling like my part in the educational system doesn't matter? Boy, I could talk on that for another two or three hours because that's exactly what I dealt with, right? Um, real quick though, something I used to tell my students uh, was right or wrong, make a decision because there's a ton of dead squirrels on the road, right? You ever watch the squirrel, right? They go this way, then they go that way, and then they finally just get hit by the car anyway? Yes. So yeah. right or wrong, make a decision and then do it and then learn from that, right? Just staring at the car is not going to fix itself no. make a decision and do something with it mm. now teaching specialty fields right so i taught in career and technical education right it's not formal education um why we took career and technical education out of schools is beyond me but that's a different <laughs> uh topic yeah. so i was always oh my goodness i'll never forget this one counselor so we all grew up it's probably been going on since the 50s right you always go in the counselor's office and they've got the picture of the the dirty greasy plumber or the coal miner or the mechanic and it was like you know do you really want a life of this mm. aka don't be the dirty you know less than human you're always looked down upon type individual go get your four-year degree and go be successful right yeah sure mike rowe has lots of information to combat that right he's actually written several thousand dollar checks to my my students to wow. go yeah he's i watched him write a personal check for 40 grand to one of my students wow but anyway um, so i'll never forget this one time a counselor we were in these in a, a, a convention or whatever it was together a, a dog and pony show and she straight up looked at me because we were discussing one of the students that, you know, she, her, it was one of her students, right? Yeah. And uh, that she had in my program. And she's like, well, let's just face it. All the dumb ones go into automotive. Well, biggest mistake was she had to sit on the plane next to me for the next three hours. <laughs> where I educated her on how much it actually takes to become an automotive technician and the amount of knowledge that we have to have. Mm. Right. So my field and anybody that teaches in career and tech ed i'll actually just make that general statement is has always been looked down upon hmm. by administration by k-12 uh common core educators uh, or academia educators and see what for me it's a slippery slope right because yes i have a degree in automotive but then i've got academic degrees as well and i can do both sides of the house yeah quite well actually and so when someone's coming down on your passion, right? Or they see you as like, oh, well, you're just an automotive teacher. I teach military history. Well, that's great, dude. I mean, we're both trying to influence young minds. I don't understand why we can't just get on that page and go, let's do it for the kids. That part, <laughs> that part. <laughs> you know, um, it, you can't, yeah it gets to you right it, it makes you, you you really start to question things and then you're just like yeah you know okay maybe but i think you have to start looking at what your group of students or employees or whatever position you're in it is doing hmm. or how they're responding right yeah. Do your kids or students come in or your employees come in every day not wanting to be there? Yeah. Or excited to be there, right? You think back on your own personal K through 12 upbringing. Was it your fate was your favorite teacher because they taught your favorite subject or was it because they were a really cool teacher and they connected with you somehow? Hmm. Right? Yeah. Nine times out of 10, it's that teacher that connected with you somehow, not necessarily what they were teaching. I hate math. I struggle with math on the daily. Another day went by and I still haven't used algebra, right? Right. I mean, I, I hate it. I get mad. I get math phobia. It's crazy. I'm with you on that. <laughs> but at the same time, so when I finally got to college, 
and was going because I had to start out in dumb dumb math right <laughs> took me six math classes just to get to the one I needed to continue on for my bachelor's That's my right. you made it you made it <laughs> yeah right I barely <laughs> my favorite teacher one of my favorite teachers when I was in college was a math teacher I had for three math classes mm. even though he taught the subject I hated hmm. right yeah. And it's because the way he taught, how he taught it, and the connections that he made, and the willingness to help and get involved with my life, hmm. you know, and <sighs> the, to, to the buy-in, right? You've got to buy into your students. You've got to buy into your staff. Yeah. You've got to let them know. Why is it that a teacher has to be reviewed twice a year, which is bullcrap because all they can, the worst teacher can put on a dog and pony show for an hour while the administrator comes in and... and, and reviews them why isn't it the administrators are reviewed how come teachers aren't allowed to review administrators hmm. second next question would be why aren't paraeducators allowed to be part of the review process because they're in the classrooms every day of the week seeing what the teachers actually teaching and how they react hmm. and what they're doing right wow so i mean there's there's some discrepancies there yeah so and I've totally lost train of thought for the dang question. No, this is so good. Doug, we're hitting some little, you guys, if you are not listening to this, this are, these are some nuggets right here. Like you guys already know, I'm all about conversation on these podcasts and wherever the magic takes us, that's where we go. Um, and you're talking about, when you were talking about educators really finding their purpose and really... Oh, really en encompassing their purpose when people are saying it's not valid that is the issue there's so many amazing educators that have lost so much creativity they've lost their love they've lost their passion they don't want to do it anymore but they still do it because they love the kids they want to invest they want to be involved they want to make sure that that child or that gr those group of kids get the best education possible but at the same time we have to realize that there's a part that we have to play as a unified body we've got to stop separating each other and saying your part of education doesn't really matter it's kind of with early childhood education we literally talk about this all the time we are not babysitters we have some hard jobs we are managing emotions that don't even have that have never been that have never been managed before you know there's so many kids that don't know social cues and don't have those pieces that they really need to be um you know ready for kindergarten and all those different things now granted are there some early childhood educational programs that are absolutely horrible absolutely and i will say there are some public school systems out there that are absolutely horrible however instead of us criticizing people and saying you do a bad job doing this you're no good doing that you're no good at constantly putting down people let's take the opportunity to say let's work together so we have a strong community that embraces all educators on all levels it doesn't matter if you're the president or if you are the janitor we are all a community of people that have a unique investment in children and our community until we break this cycle of you're better than me and i'm better than you it is going to continue on and everyone's going to strive to be on top and not just be in the community and making a change in difference i absolutely so unfortunately you were cutting in and out there but i and i was bouncing back and forth but i've got the gist of what you said but yeah yeah i just i mean So like one of my best friends when I was at school was the janitor, right? And it's, it's how we're taught to, to, I mean, I think I read a story, right? About an employer that when he was going to interview uh, an employee or potential employee, mm -hmm. he would take them out to eat to see how they treated the wait staff. Mm -hmm. right? Or he would yeah. stage his office up to see how he would treat the janitor or the maintenance guy or whatever like they, they would deliberately like cut into their way or be hauling some trash out the garbage i love Dude, it did that person walk around them or did they offer to help i love it right and so we can't first, first of all we got to realize that education is education mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and every student learns differently yes right? you've got your students that are super book smart right mm-hmm 
and you got your students that are extremely academic. You've got your oratory learners. You've got your 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 kinesthetic learners. You've got the people that learn like like I never bought a book a textbook in college because I not it's a long story I won't get into it, but I, I eventually stopped buying textbooks in college because literally like the academic support center said save your money you don't learn by reading hmm. you know wow. because I learned by listening to the lectures and showing up to class yep so for us to sit here and say well this program is more important than this program or what I teach is more important than what you teach right we lose sight of why we got into it in the first place the reason why we got into education in the first place is because we wanted to impact lives we were passionate about working with kindergartners or elementary like elementary school kids elementary teachers have a place in heaven math teachers have a place in hell but <laughs> that's a joke you guys talk about every math teacher out there right um you know, because like I watch elementary school teachers like, oh, my goodness, they, they're, they're saints. They got to teach multiple subjects all day long to a group of kids like I'm, I, I am incapable of that. Give me one subject. Give me a certain age group and leave me alone. <laughs> hey, don't I can't. Mm -mm. <laughs> so. But what, why are we doing it? We're doing it for the kids. And I think the problem with like, you know, standardized testing and common core and all this other stuff, sure that plays in because we've taken the creativity of what a teacher can do away because yeah. they have to teach to the test. So yeah. that's part of the issue, right? Yeah. But that's not, you know, that wasn't the question he raised. So we need to continue to follow our path of, I do this for the kids, mm. right? I'm not doing this to please my principal. I'm not doing this to please the English teacher next door to me. I'm doing this because these for the next hour or hour and a half, two, two and a half hours, however long you have them are my, like I used to refer to my students as my kids all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I never said my students. I always said my kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm doing it for them. Hmm. You know, they're not just an FTE. They're not just a placeholder. They're not just my paycheck, yeah. right? You got to ask yourself, if somebody stopped paying you to be a teacher today, hmm. would you still be willing to teach for free? And if the answer is no, you might want to really think about why are you doing it in the first place? Woo. Yeah. yeah. You know, so the whole divide, because I mean, all of us CTE teachers, because we had 18 different programs, we always got looked down by administration, all the other teachers and all the other schools within the school district and stuff. We were always like the black sheep, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's always just you guys. It's all you guys. You guys are the special ones. You get the yeah. whatever. <laughs> no, you don't have to adhere to the rules because, you know, sometimes we didn't have to do necessarily some of the things that the other K through 12 educators had to do because yeah. well, we, it didn't apply to us, right? Yeah. So, um, so we've got it. We've got to end the stigma of, of always trying to, well, what I do is more important than you. Yeah. No, what we're doing is important for the children, right? Because someday that child is going to be taking care of you in the hospital or that child is going to be fixing your car. Truth. Right. Or whatever that child's going to be serving you your five-star dinner yep you know whatever the case may be that child is going to be doing something for you eventually i mean i don't know about you but i run into a lot of my students like mm -hmm. a, a lot like and it, there's some pretty harrowing like i'll never one of them like i was it's like i get teared up quite a bit even thinking about but i mean do you know what it's like to have a gangster that you run into four years later five years later fall on your shoulders and start crying mm. because of what you did for their life wow. you know wow. and how you changed it and they're, they're no longer part of that and they're successful and so on and so forth right Oof. right so if we're all capable of doing that then why does it matter what our passion is as long as we're doing what is passion our passion 
and producing the results that our passion is driving us to do. Hmm. Wow. That that's deep. That's so so deep. Um, you guys. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you know somebody that needs to hear this conversation today, take this time and share it. Don't be greedy. Don't try to eat this podcast up. Go ahead and share it because so many of us are having the same conversations. And sometimes educators are even scared of having the conversation because they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be blackballed or I don't want to be throwing anybody. We've got to have the conversation. It's just, I go into this analogy all the time. It's just like a bad marriage all this stuff going on right now it's we're in a bad marriage right now we need to go to counseling put it on the table let's sift through this thing because divorce is just not an option we don't have an option to just walk away and just be like okay well i guess these kids are gonna have to just fend for themselves because the adults can't get it together we've got to put our pride down we've got to look at these things in different ways we are going to have to be so creative in how we look at education moving forward because there are kids like the one that doug talked about that is needing you that is desiring to have someone that cares enough about them to 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 go through those hard times to talk through some some difficult moments those are the kids that need you the most and even those kids that don't say a word those are the ones sometimes they get looked over because they're so good why do you need to bother them why do you need to um um say very much they need you too and sometimes as an educator it's hard because you feel like you have to be everything to everybody but you guys you know what if we can be everything to everyone together you're not we're the we're the we're the, we're not superman we're the a-team and that is what education has been about always but we've gotten to this so isolated you know your team my team me by myself me over here me we've got to break this cycle because we're teaching the kids they're watching us through modeling they're looking at how to um you know to to work through different different um problems we're teaching them how to deal with those you guys we have an opportunity let's step up let's not be afraid of this because we got this we got this we're educators we're thinkers but we've got to be willing to sit down have the conversation and make effective change absolutely across the board no matter what what um, grade you're in if you work in private or public education so doug you know this has been such a great podcast this has so many gems in it you guys what's the one thing you want people or leaders to think about when they think about their own leadership to make change in their world okay so you're gonna have to ask that question again like it's okay uh, you're good you're good technology what's the one thing that you feel that you want to leave our listeners with as we end this podcast. Wow. Uh, well, first of all, I say keep doing what you're doing. Hmm. Right. Um, realize that you're not going to reach every student. Okay. Your personality is going to mesh with some and not mesh with others. Hmm. Okay. Don't try to change every student's world, okay? Hmm. Um, invest in them. I think that's the, the, the number one thing that I think a teacher can do is invest in the student and let the student know that there's actually somebody investing in them. Hmm. Because for many of these students, I mean, at least with my experience in teaching in inner city schools, um, it's the first time they've actually had somebody invest in them hmm. right and let them know that hey i've got your back you know well, even though you have to teach to the test because it's a lot of it is that right i, used, I lost two weeks two and a half weeks a year of, of instruction just because of testing wow but um still come up with creative ways to like let your classroom be freer and more natural mm -hmm. allow movement allow 
some play time, even in high school, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, allow your students to, to fail. Hmm. Literally, allow them to fail and hold them accountable for their failure. Yeah. You know, uh, and if that literally means giving them an F because they didn't meet the mark, right? Mm -hmm. That means giving them an F and being okay with that. And that's a hard thing to do for a teacher. I know it's really hard to put an F yeah. on someone's report. It, it really is. I mean, even I struggled with it, but I, I still did it. Mm -hmm. Of course, I would have hoped that teachers, you know, like before the F came, there was lots of one-on-one -on -one conversations with the student and conversations with the counselor and yeah. possibly the parents absolutely a lot of coaching along the way a lot of coaching right but you, you've got to hold your students accountable you got to let them fail but then give them the tools right yes. to be successful out of that failure yes. yes you know because if you just let them fail but then not give them the tools to like not fail next time you've done them no service yeah. right yeah um get involved with some really cool collab teams. Find something that you're you were passionate about. Like so, I picked collab teams that were aligned with some of the stuff I wanted to learn. And at the same time, a couple of times I would get on collab teams for something that I was completely afraid of. For instance, I put myself on the math collab team for a year, right? Because mm -hmm. math scares me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So. Why not make yourself uncomfortable in a safe place, so to speak? I know that's a cliched term nowadays, but why not make yourself uncomfortable in an environment where you know you're going to be okay Yeah. and learn something from that and how maybe you can take that to your classroom? Yeah. You know, because uncomfortableness is good. And I think a lot of times we as citizens don't like to be uncomfortable. Yeah. We've become way too comfortable and complacent, whereas being uncomfortable and trying something new is like it's a scary thought and it's something new and we don't want you know not people many people try to to do it yeah you know so i i'd say it's the takeaway invest in your students number one yeah. let them know you are invested in them let them know that you care mm. find a way um i made sure that i connected with every single one of my students every single day yeah sometimes it was a simple hello uh, with one student, but other times it was a 45 minute one-on-one -on -one conversation in my office about something they were struggling with. Yeah. Right. Be attuned to what's going on in your, in your classroom. Right. Um, when you're eating a snack or something like that, and you always see a student that's like staring at your food, mm -hmm. maybe they're not getting food at home. Yeah. Right. Pull them aside. Say, Hey man, you know, sometimes you got to have difficult conversations, right? Yeah. Like, are you getting food or dude, you know what? I don't know when the last time you had a shower with us, but you need one tonight. Yeah. Right. Stuff yeah. like, I mean, those are hard conversations. Yeah. You don't because yeah. you know, teachers for the most part are nice. Yes. And we don't want to ruffle feathers. Right. We don't want to offend. Right. You know, but that's what we should be doing. Yeah. You got to be there for those kids that don't have that guidance. Right. And that's hard. Exactly. Yeah. And we got to be the same way with our staff peers as well. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, you know, you got two math teachers and this math teacher's killing it. And this math teacher's like, not go talk to that one and say, hey, notice you're struggling. Here's what I've done as a math teacher that works for me. Here's some resources. This is how it goes. You know, maybe you can try that. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. You just get, you, you invest in students, invest in your, peers or whatever I love it come up with creative ideas which is harder and harder to do yeah and then and then just be there you know it's don't be afraid to share parts of your story of your own personal story in your life because you never know when something that you shared about what you've gone through in life or are going through is going to connect and maybe that student's like oh wow they're not superhuman hmm they actually go to the movies too. Yeah. Or go grocery shopping as well. You yep. know. Yep. Yep. I, I love it. Teachers are superhuman. It's like, what are you doing here? Uh, 
<laughs> movie just like you are man <laughs> yeah it's so funny when, especially little kids when they realize that you don't live at the learning center that you're at i cannot tell you how many times i've run into a kid like at the mall or at the grocery store and they're like oh, you're at the store i'm like i am i don't live at work i am out <laughs> and about in the world man doug this has been so good you guys i hope you got so many great gems from this i want to thank you so much for being a guest here at the learning project you are amazing we thank you so much for your knowledge for just you know having this conversation having dialogue you guys you know the learning project is all about people coming together and having conversations nobody cares about your title where you're at what this is what this is let's have the dialogue so that we can get many different perspectives so that we can make this world a better place doug if people wanted to reach out to you for any kind of reason like where can they find you oh boy well <laughs> well i guess you we could uh i guess they could email me because okay no if okay. i if i gave them my instagram and twitter they might be like <laughs> this guy you're good your life um <laughs> yep so we will have your your email at the bottom of this po at the podcast so in your bio uh we'll just put it right there okay sounds right. good awesome you guys thank you so much again for listening and remember you guys go out and change a kid's life and don't forget to change the world and make this place a better place thank you so much and i will see you guys soon <laughs>